Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehan Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And plenty to discuss on this Monday. Coming off the NFL Draft, NBA playoffs, and much more. Dan Dockich will join us in 20 minutes. You can find his show and all shows at our YouTube page. Just uh, subscribe there. Just search out Outkick Dan with us in 20 minutes. Later, Anthony Gargano will join us uh, this hour from Philadelphia, host of the Anthony Gargano Show, and, well, the Eagles do it again. We're not surprised, are we? No, I, I don't, not at all. I don't think so. The Eagles have uh, a great draft yet again on paper, and normally that translates into production on the field. We'll get his take on the... Uh, the Philadelphia angle of the NFL draft. Armando Salguero a bit later, plus uh, Ari Maroff from the 33rdteam.com. Jam-packed show today. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hudden. Big weekend. Love plenty to, to recap. Good guest list today. Yeah, I'm man. excited about the week ahead. It's yeah. nice when you come into a show and there's so much to digest. Well, you've been one who wanted to get the draft done, right? So yeah. here we are. Well, I didn't want to get it done. I, I like the build-up to it. But was, I, I always talk about this whole thing about no matter – this is one year that's different. I'll, I'll explain why. But every year we spend nothing but months speculating and talking about trends and falling up or falling down or whatever it may be in the draft. The moment the picks happen, we don't remember those things anymore. We don't care. It's just about breaking down the pairings of player with team. I do think it's a little bit different in the case of Will Levis that we'll get into. No doubt. We're not going to forget about some things with that. But for the most part, once the draft happens, we got the draft to talk about and where these guys are going, and then it's a new day. Yeah, and one of these franchises, traditionally, historically, what we've learned is, look, it's happened quite a bit where quarterbacks have been taken with the first two picks of the draft. What we saw last week was with three quarterbacks in the top four picks, it's only the fourth time we've seen that happen. And with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, one of these quarterbacks, historically, is going to turn their franchise around for who they were selected to. And the other two are going to bomb. Two of the three are not going to work out for the organization. Case in point, and in, in what we've seen so far from the 2021 draft, Trevor Lawrence working out okay. Beyond that, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. We know where Wilson is. He's a backup now in New York to Aaron Rodgers, and he was a backup uh, to Mike White last year. And you could bring any quarterback in there. He would have been the backup to them last year. Meanwhile, we don't know. The jury is out on, on Trey Lance because of the injury and because of where they're moving towards, which is Brock Purdy, the seventh-round pick from a year ago. 1999 is the next time you can find this happen with Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, and Akili Smith. And then back in 71 with Plunkett, Archie Manning, and Dan Pastorini. Point being, one of these three is going to be set up perfectly on how these other picks around them work out and they hit early on the young guys and the rookie contracts. Meanwhile, we will look back and think, man, what a joke of a pick so-and-so was. Houston, who I think made a great selection with C.J. Stroud, following it up by trading up for Will Anderson. Time will tell. But time will also tell on two other quarterbacks that were in this group of three that were thought could go in round one with Will Levis and Hendon Hooker, who both go to organizations where it is now set up for them to sit and learn and improve. 
for a year. Maybe not a full season, but a redshirt year is the expectation for a second-round pick or a third-round pick based on the veterans who are there as we sit here today. The other three don't have that luxury, and they shouldn't, based on where they're selected. Uh, even Indianapolis, who's already saying, hey, it's going to be ugly early for Anthony Richardson. We're buying into his ceiling. Chad, the storyline for the 2023 draft for me will be those three and the other two. I realize we had a record number of quarterbacks selected over the course of the seven rounds. But specifically, Will Levis and Hendon Hooker will tie in to the top three and the quarterback situations that they went to. And when the patients, in some ways, the patients that they, are, they will be given as they arrive to their, their practice facilities, how will that tie in to the guys who have to jump into the fire immediately? And again, history shows of the three, one's going to actually turn out to be the right selection. Yeah, and I think the one is Bryce Young. I mean, if I'm, if I'm projecting right now, I, I think that's the one. And that's not to say C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson can't be good players, but you're right, Hutton. I mean, it's a guessing game. That's what the draft is. It's your prediction, your educated guess about what's going to happen. I, I really don't like the spot Anthony Richardson's in to more than likely be thrown directly into it with the Colts. That's the way it feels. Because he needs seasoning. C.J. Stroud is a little bit more ready, but is that the spot you want to be in year one with a new coach and all the problems there with the Texans? The good news, the good news on that, they have future first-round picks from other trades. Yeah. And they can build around him now. Well, this is the beauty of falling to the second or third round, the way Will Levis and, and Hendon Hooker is. And I, I make those points to say this point. Those guys are set up in a way that there's very little pressure on them. And they may end up being the biggest success stories of, of this draft, given the situations they've been thrown into. Now, one is with an organization that is pretty middling, but has done a lot of winning lately with the Tennessee Titans, Will Levis. The other one's with an organization who never wins, but looks like they're set up to win for a long time yeah. in the Detroit Lions. They've actually made good decisions the last few years. They've got a good coach, I think. And Dan Campbell, they have direction. Identity. So Hendon Hooker's in a spot where I think it's less likely he starts at any point this season with Jared Goff playing in front of him. Yep. I think it's more likely Levis takes that job or is given the job because of injury with Ryan Tannehill at some point this year with the Titans. But that is going to be interesting to watch those two and their careers from here on out because it's very similar spots in two different conferences for both of them and... While I completely disagree with the Titans taking Will Levis, he is in a good spot for Will Levis. Yeah, it's great for him. That that's I mean, it worked out he very hates well that, for him. He hates he had to sit there in Kansas City through a first round and not be selected, but it really couldn't have worked out much better in terms of location, franchise, and, and situation around him to where eventually maybe he can succeed. And I mean, that's what Anthony Richardson needed, but other teams don't have that luxury. Jim Irsay said, hey, if we're picking number one this year, we're likely still selecting Anthony Richardson. Now, you can believe that all you want, but listening to the pressers uh, over the weekend, I'm, I mean, it, the Colts come across as an organization that fell in love with this guy about 10 days into Shane Steichen being on the job, and they never really wavered from that. So uh, the accuracy issues and other things that play a factor, they think they can coach him up to reach full potential instead of him 
where he is, which is at the lowest floor of the quarterbacks available. Meanwhile, the pressure's on Bryce Young just to be the number one overall pick. And Houston has traded uh, future picks in order to move up to get Will Anderson, but that's after they drafted their quarterback, their franchise quarterback, C.J. Stroud. And Levis, by the way, is eventually going to be the franchise quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Otherwise, I don't know why they trade up in the second round to draft him with the second pick on day number two. Chad, the quarterback drama and the really uncertainty of how this would all fall played great into the ratings. Yeah, they, they're up. They they averaged eleven million, um, and it was coming off a year where one quarterback selected in the first round. It was the lowest rating for the NFL draft in five years. It's the third highest draft total of people watching. Second was twenty twenty one with the quarterbacks that we mentioned that went one, two, and then three. And then the 2020 draft where everyone is stuck inside their homes and watching everything take place on Zoom. So the quarterback drama did play a factor for people tuning in. And, and the fall, the drama with Will Levis played a factor. Quarterback drama played a factor for sure. And on site, the attendance for the actual draft in Kansas City delivered. Second biggest all time. 312,000 in Kansas City over the weekend still just pales in comparison to that 600,000 in Nashville yeah. back in 2019. No one has even come close to reaching the standard set by Nashville in the draft. But a good weekend in Kansas City. I thought it looked great on Thursday night with just the amount of people that were there. So once again, this is an event that is a huge W for the NFL, for college football. It's PR. For the game of football in general, for the city of Kansas City, everyone, television networks. Yeah. I mean, imagine the different television products we had to consume with ABC's coverage from the college angle with Herb Street and the game day guys to ESPN and Mel Kuyper to NFL Network. I mean, it is just a smorgasbord of football information over the course of those three days. And it delivered once again. Hutton, also, you delivered, by the way. You called Michael Mayer and Hendon Hooker's teams. Yeah. Well, the people that look, the YouTube chat, we cannot argue with the okay. YouTube chat. They now want to call you Hutradamus <laughs> based on those prognostications on Friday where you nailed it. Your final sign off of the week was Mayer to the Raiders, yes. Hendon Hooker to the Lions. And that happened in rounds two and three. Well be, done. Yeah. Well, Detroit had three picks, right? They moved around a bit, they had three picks. And Mayer to Vegas just made sense based on Darren Waller not being there. Best tight end on the board at that spot. I thought Vegas did well uh, based on who was available and the needs that they had. And Hendon Hooker, that's a great spot for him. Yeah. And, and we, we, we hit on this, Chad, and we'll touch on it later in the week too. Um, he's going to be a perfect backup quarterback in waiting there. There's not going to be any drama behind the scenes with Hendon Hooker if Jared Goff starts throwing some picks in weeks one and two. He's already shown that college that he can be a good backup right. and a good teammate. Yeah, it's a, and it's, it's worth the investment because of the multiple picks that Detroit had uh, compared to the Titans who had six total picks the entire weekend and they traded up to get Will Levis. Also delivering, Steph Curry again. And, I mean, he drops 50 in a game seven after having calling a team meeting and discussing things. Uh, point blank with whether or not they wanted to be there. And if you didn't want to buy in, then, you know, you can see the door, don't show up for the game kind of thing. But Chad, uh, I, I can't help but watch this and be in amazement, even though he does this regularly with the type of performances that we saw. 
it's incredible. And him having the, the meeting and saying, basically, if you're going to be in your emotions, don't make the trip to Sacramento for this game seven. Yeah. And, and don't even bother. 50 points. All-time game seven record. Second all-time is Kevin Durant with 48 and a loss for Brooklyn. Incredible. The moment that we watch the NBA and start saying, I, I look, I fully believe this. The Kings are, were the story of this first round. They, they were the Cinderella that people were starting to gravitate towards. They were beaming up towards Sacramento with a victory beam. They wanted them to win. And Steph Curry proves once again why he's the best story in the NBA and my favorite player in the NBA. The moment it almost becomes old hat. to It start rooting against the Warriors because of all the success. And Steph Curry becomes a villain to some. He rises up, and in a moment where it feels like the Kings are going to take that next step, and he single-handedly takes his team, his championship team, defending their title, takes them to victory with 50 points in a Game 7 in a very hostile environment on the road in Sacramento, proving once again that he is the guy in the NBA. It's him and LeBron, but that 50-point performance, LeBron's not going to score 50 in these playoffs. He's a great player. He did a lot of trash talking over the weekend also, and, and rightfully so. But Steph Curry's the guy. Incredible performance. Hats off to him. And the Warriors move on, and for the NBA's purposes, we just talked about ratings in the NFL draft. Best case scenario, that the Lakers and the Warriors survived and they move on now into the next round because I think that's going to be what drives ratings yeah, in no the doubt. Western Conference playoffs will be those two teams. Yeah, because no one else will they'll reach forward and grab the, the brass ring of the young the younger the guys in their 20s, superstars. Yeah. You know, it's the older, Steph's about to be, is he 34, 35 years old? He's there. Uh, we know LeBron and what, 37, but when you start... Uh, Steph's 35. Thank you, Davey. Uh, but you start to look at where LeBron is in his career. I mean, he's played how many full seasons if you just count the playoffs alone? So, I mean, it's not the same there either. But they're the they're He came in the league in 2002? In the I think. Yeah. No, 2003. And, 2003 was LeBron's first year. And you start to look around and you're like, okay, who else is going to step up? Giannis is talking about, you know, in the other conference, talking about how it's not a failure to lose to an eight seed um, and that it's a, a staircase climb to win another championship. And, and that's all fair. But you won't hear that coming from Steph Curry or LeBron James. No, and Steph Curry, meanwhile, is calling a players-only meeting saying, stay home yeah. if you're going to be emotional about and this Game 7. Not only that, they're both away. He's up at 3, what, 3.45 in the morning when yeah. he's texting with... Um, with uh, Draymond Green. Yeah, with Draymond. And Draymond was up. He's like, hey, I want to talk to the team. And he's like, no, 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 I got this. And the rest was exactly what he said. Uh, players called it the greatest speech of his career. Greatest speech of his career. And he goes out and delivers. Followed by a 50-point Game 7 record amount of points. Incredible. Unstoppable at that point. Dylan Brooks bit off more than he could chew. That was my fear for the Grizzlies all along. And then doesn't face the media. And then gets fined because he won't yeah, see the media. Weak. Yeah, we'll get into that. Because Weak. His, he, his contract's up. He says he wants to be back in Memphis, but he's not going to change how he talks trash. And he wants to be used in a better way. Oh, okay. I mean, you stirred the pot and your team took up for you in that regard. And then you didn't show up. He didn't show up. Dan Dockett shows up, host of Don't At Me. Dan with Always. us next. We will recap the NFL draft and the NBA playoffs. It's all straight ahead on Hot Mike.
Anthony Gargano will join us in about 20 minutes or so. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Hutton and Withrow with you. Joined by Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me with Dan Dockich across the Outkick Network. Mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern. Dan, good to see you. Uh, what is life like in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson and knowing that the entire organization is admitting it's going to be ugly early, but the highest ceiling was with the Florida quarterback? Yeah, I remember when uh, Paul was on the show, uh, your show, and he'd always get mad because I talked about what simps the local media are and what what water carriers they are for uh, Chris Ballard. Look, this is Chris Ballard being a survivor. Nobody's a better survivor than Chris Ballard. They took Richardson. Mike Martz told me today on Don't, or excuse me, yeah, on Don't At Me, that it's going to be at least three years. It was refreshing to hear a guy say, look, this guy does not pass the ball worth a damn. He just doesn't. You know, in our neck of the woods, all the media thinks it's the greatest choice ever. We just had the greatest draft, and next thing you know, the Colts are going to be in the Super Bowl, and our latest coach uh, of five in this administration, in this GM's six-year tenure, uh, Strykin, or whatever the hell his name is, is the new quarterback whisperer, and he's going to make Richardson great. Look, I don't know. I do know this. You are going to see and hear from Indianapolis and national media. Uh, you will see all the great plays he makes running, the one or two good passes. But people in the know in the NFL say this dude has a long way to go. Again, Mike Mart said three years. Who knows? How about the division, Dan? With all the young quarterbacks now, yeah. eventually we're going to see Will Levis here take over for Ryan Tannehill. Houston, I think, made the right call by drafting C.J. Stroud. And by the way, they're chasing Jacksonville now and, and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, isn't there a lot of ifs with it? Like, if Will Levis can really play, you know, uh, I think Will Levis caught the break of a lifetime going to Tennessee. You know, Tennessee may have caught a break too. We'll see. But Levis gets a chance to go to an organization that, in my view, you guys may think differently, but in my view... Uh, Mike Vrabel and the folks in, in Tennessee are serious people. And if one of the reasons that Levis fell was because he's I, me, I, I, you know, all that kind of immature stuff, then that's going to get straightened out real quick. And then your talent takes over and your intelligence, and uh, by all accounts, he has that. Uh, I agree with you on tennis, or Texas. I think Texas absolutely had to do that. And good for them. You know what? They traded up, got Will Anderson Jr., and – the third pick, uh, hey, look, when you aren't very good, you need stars. You need top-of-the-roster players. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I constantly complain about here. In Indy, we always say it's not about one guy. It's about all 53. That's what Ballard says. You know, I think that's a bunch of crap. It's about the high-end talent that you have. So it'll be interesting to see how early Levis gets. Stroud, I would assume, is going to come right in. And look, here in Indy, you got the fourth pick. You drafted a quarterback. I would think the expectation is to learn a bit on the fly. So maybe the league got really good. Let's see in two years, or maybe the league picked a bunch of guys that couldn't play. I don't know yet. Dan, Steph Curry's pretty good. How about that performance? Woo! 50 points, a record in a game seven. And I feel like, you know, at least for me, I don't forget about Steph Curry, but the moment you stop thinking about him, he, he stands up and reminds you just how great he is. I think he's the best player in the world right now. I, I, you know, maybe you can say this guy or that guy. 
But this guy also had eight rebounds and six assists. I mean, look, when anybody else does that, we celebrate everything, the all-around game. With Curry, sometimes we just say, you know, he's 20 or 38, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm watching that game, and Klay Thompson can't hit a thing. Draymond Green's useless offensively. Jordan Poole's supposed to be the second guy uh, and wasn't. And Curry just went Michael Jordan. I mean, truthfully, he just went Michael Jordan and said, to hell with this. Uh, I'm going to do what I got to do. You know, he did take a bunch of threes, but, man, he was going to the rim. He was doing those one-handed floaters. I, look, to me, there you got to be an adult in the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL or football to win. Children don't win. Children don't beat Curry four out of seven. Children don't beat uh, LeBron James four out of seven. And we saw – between John Morant and Dylan, what's his name, Brooks, they were children, absolute children. And LeBron just took care of his business. Curry took care of his. Now, I think there's different levels of children. I think that the Aaron Fox and the folks at Sacramento are legitimate. I think that the folks in Memphis got a lot of growing up to do. But the fact of the matter is the adults in the room won, and now the adults are going to play each other with LeBron going at Curry. And I got to tell you, whether you like the NBA or not, that's must-see TV, man, at least in my world. And you talked about the children with the Memphis Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks and his antics. I love the fact that LeBron waited till that thing was over and just unleashed a tirade on everyone at the free throw line where you could catch everything, every F-bomb he was dropping, everything he was saying about you guys hit a couple shots and want to talk trash. Where Are you, are you talking now? Uh, he waits until the series is over until he talks his trash. It de- declares it over, by the way. Yeah, You're no I mean, longer allowed to talk trash to me. Right, yeah. Don't ever speak to me again. <laughs> I-, I thought it was a masterpiece from LeBron James of how to talk trash and when to talk trash. And a good reminder that LeBron James has been around the block a while and won some championships, and he's the adult you're talking about, Dan, that can win a title. Hey, LeBron James has had people coming at him since he was a sophomore in high school. Uh, there were high school teams, man. I mean, I remember watching. I remember a little team. A friend of mine was a coach, Al Wells. They had a three in the air to beat LeBron. And, I mean, the entire Schottenstein Center, it was packed because of LeBron. And you know how it goes. It, it, groups always want the underdog to win. Oh, yeah. He's had people coming at him so long, NBA guys. He's had dudes that are serious dudes coming at him. And I'm with you on that, uh, Chad. I love the fact that... He never said Dylan Brooks' name. He came out, I guess it was a repeat of some rap lyrics where if you see me fighting a grizzly, go help the bear after the fact. Look, whether you like LeBron James or not, that's, that's up for debate. I loved what he did. I, he never mentioned the dude's name. He never gave him the respect of saying Dylan Brooks. Never said it. Kicked the crap out of him. And then Dylan Brooks did what all punks do. He backed away from going in front of the media. He didn't show after the three losses. He can say whatever he wants. You know, all that nonsense. I'm a competitor, blah, 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 blah. You're a phony. You're a fraud. And as the great Brian Windhorst said, he was trying to be diamond or diet Draymond Green. Screw him. LeBron moves on, and we got adults in the room. Dan Donkic with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on the Outkick Network. Dan, so Giannis, I thought, was very contrite. Uh, and honest in his re- re- response to losing to an eight seed to the media member who asked about, you know, is this a failure? How do you consider Uh-oh. it? Oh, he lost audio. Or maybe he did. Uh, we Hello. Did, we didn't lose your audio. I got you. Then. We got okay. you. Giannis, Giannis's, uh, I got you, Giannis's take on losing to the eight seed, but the, the overall mentality not being a failure 
as a former coach and player, you're thinking what? Well, I, I, I agree with what he said. I think sometimes we don't want to hear it because fans always want to say, oh, man, it's about the chip and all that. Hey, look, a lot of really high-paid guys are trying, a lot of really hard-working hard, high-paid guys are all trying for the same thing. I agreed with what Giannis said. Now, what Giannis ultimately going to have to do, obviously, is get a championship. Uh, and then he will be able to, to, to talk about, well, it took me this long. You know, one of the things, the Woods is full of coaches um, that went years without being really successful. And then because of patience, they did, including John Wood. Mike Krzyzewski famously, you know, was th- thinking about or may have gotten fired after year three when they got blown out in the ACC tournament. You know, but the truth of the matter is the society we live in, and I, I don't think it's right, uh, championship or nothing, I think it's kind of crap. Giannis already has one. Uh, he'll probably get another one or two. But the truth of the matter is, how do I put this right? You can say anything after a loss, and that's great, and it makes sense. But, man, there ain't nothing like winning. Man, hey, you played really hard. God, what a great game you guys played. Oh, yeah. And when you lose, people forget about you. And when you win, it's a whole nother level. So good for Giannis for standing up. It was a good back and forth. Guy asked a good question. Giannis gave a great answer. But the fact of the matter is, man, oh, man, uh, it is a whole lot different when you get that W as opposed to when you get the L, no matter how eloquently you describe the fact that maybe it was or wasn't a failure. Well, and I don't disagree with what you're saying, um, and I respect him for staying in the Milwaukee market. Let's, let's, let me say that, preface all this. But he's, the, the pressure is off of him now after winning the one. He stayed. He stayed. Guys can join him there. But it's, it's not like – I mean, the NBA is very odd where there, there are high expectations on one, maybe two guys to deliver annually. And then everyone else is just there for the party. And I feel like Giannis is a part of the party, and he's not on that pedestal. And he could be. Well, he's got a championship, and, you know, I, I, I think he's the hardest guy to guard from 18 feet in, maybe that I've ever seen, not named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I, you know, because he follows his shot. But let's be honest, man. The fact of the matter is, um, if you're Giannis... You're not, and you're on the list of all-time greats, which is where a guy like him should be. You're not losing in the first round to an AC. Right. I, you, you, you look, look historically, it just doesn't happen. You know, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe uh, last year or whenever, LeBron had one year out of 20 where he didn't make the playoffs or whatever. I don't know. But when you look at the all-time greats, how many different teams has LeBron James taken to the finals? I mean, he was taking Matthew Dellavedova, Tristan Thompson, and those kind of guys to the damn final. He wasn't losing in the first round. So to your point, I, I do agree with what you are saying. Now, as I said, though, it's going to be incumbent on Giannis to get back there. And you know what? Uh, nobody's going to want to hear a word that he says if they do the same thing next year because that championship now is way, way, way back when. In fact, if you look at it this year, how often was LeBron James criticized for what he's done in L.A. with mm-hmm. people saying, well, the only title they won was when it was in the bubble and it was a weird year and who the hell knew, you know, does that really count? Well, you know what? We have, we have very short memories, but you don't lose in the first round of, uh, to an A seed when you are the one seed if you are on that pantheon, Magic and Bird and Jordan and Isaiah and all those guys, you don't. You don't do it. 
So, Dan, I spent a lot of my weekend coaching uh, my daughter's uh, 8U softball team, and I'm happy to report that only girls play in this league. And then I see over the weekend <laughs> that Brittany Griner, one of the greatest female athletes alive and one of the greatest basketball players in women's basketball the last 25 years, is on a podium saying that it should be illegal to not allow uh, you know, men to play with women. Uh, and, and I just think, what, what the hell are we doing? What, what, is, what is going on here? What, what do you make of the latest from Brittany Griner on this, where I felt like we were starting to gain some momentum with a lot of things being said towards more common sense when it came to separating the sexes with sports? Well, I, I think Brittany Griner's an idiot. I mean, I, you know, you go, to, you go to Russia. We can say whether she should have been lawfully, unlawfully, but you go to Russia, you have a house there, You've been there for years, and you're dumb enough or arrogant enough to bring weed where you know the consequences. I mean, that's the truth of what happened with Brittany Grant. I think she's a stone idiot. I also think this. There's been a shift. Um, for about the last year, anytime anybody criticized uh, the transgender movement, it was always seen as that criticism is dangerous to the transgender movement. It was always seen as dangerous. It was always seen as inciting violence. Well, what have we seen lately? We've seen the transgender community cause violence, commit violence. And now I believe this. I believe that somehow the word got out, hey, look, we've got to start saying the terms illegal because Dylan Mulvaney did the same thing. Dylan Mulvaney came out and said, look, if you misgender me, that should be a crime. It should be illegal. It's not a coincidence that Dylan Mulvaney and now Brittany Griner went from, well, it's really dangerous to this is a crime. Of course it's not a crime. Of course it shouldn't be a crime. Common sense said girls play with girls, boys play with boys, and if the transgender community wants to get their own league, go get your own league. I mean, that to me is common sense. But I swear to God, it's almost like a memo went out where everybody said, okay, hold on. We're not going with dangerous anymore. We're not. We're, we're going with criminal. Man, I got to tell you, if any of your lawmakers, my lawmakers, any lawmakers that I have a vote for comes out and says that it's a crime to misgender somebody, call a person with a penis a man, and that's misgendering. Whatever lawyer, or excuse me, whatever legislator comes out with that, they got to be voted out of office immediately because that's just idiotic. I just think Brittany Griner's a stone idiot. And the media sitting there is is propping this up, though. You know, they're putting the they're pitching the softballs that Chad was pitching over well, the even, weekend. Even the question bothered me. You know, in that press conference, I'm thinking, what are what are you doing? This is not as as Hutton says. You don't. This is not the softball to throw. Like this is just. Uh, it it bothers me, Dan. It bothers me. I know it does you too. Well, it should. It does, and be, because I have a daughter, you have a daughter. They, they play sports, and I'm I'm sitting there going, wait a second here. And, and, you know, you guys have talked about my wife ad nauseum for years, but she's one of the real fighters. She had to move out of a city, Toledo, that didn't have women's softball and move to Michigan so she could play. And now you're saying, okay, well, not only are we going to do this, but we're going to have guys play? No, it's ridiculous. Look, if you're born a guy and you're transgender into a woman, play with the guys. Pretty simple. I don't think that's that difficult, uh, in my opinion. But apparently it is, and the media is so afraid. Everybody, you know this, everybody's so afraid to be called racist or some kind of ick. You know, nobody wants to be called some kind of ist, ick, uh, or ism. Racist, uh, transphobic, misogynist. 
you know what? At the end of the day, I'd just as soon be called a guy with some common sense, and common sense dictates to me certainly isn't illegal. Girls, go play with girls. Boys, go play with boys. Transgender, go get your own league and have at it and have a great time. Dan, final thing. How refreshed did Aaron Rodgers look last week at the presser and then actually showing up to offseason work? I mean, Ayahuasca's working wonders on that, plus a darkness retreat. He's going to have a line following him there. He looked refreshed at the Knicks game also. Unbelievable. Square Garden, he looked great. I mean, maybe it's just a haircut, but I mean, the guy looks like 10 years younger now. Yeah, I remember when I got divorced, baby. My dad told me, get a, ni- <laughs> get a nice sweater and lose some weight, and you'll be just fine. And you know, next thing you know, the white man overbite came out, and I was something. Yeah, I mean, look, people, <laughs> people always say, right? <laughs> people always, you know, people always talk about, I, I was thinking about it. It's great. I'm glad you asked that question because people always talk about, well, you know, the team's got to be exhausted with Rodgers, the other players. But I started thinking about it. Man, I bet you Aaron Rodgers is tired of this too. I bet you Aaron Rodgers is playing his brains out. They never draft a wide receiver for him. He's trying to make all these guys good, and he has. He's been terrific. But I wonder at some point, like, you know, you, you see all of a sudden the last few years, you guys mentioned a dark room, mushrooms, whatever the psychedelics are, hanging with Sherpas and all. I wonder how much of that was a distraction for him. You know what I mean? Just to get his mind away from all the crap. Because we all, Aaron Rodgers knows that every day when he turns on ESPN, they're going to be talking about him. Just like Mike McCarthy knows every day he turns on something, they're going to be talking about him. Play the hits. LeBron knows. Play the hits. That's the, that's the mantra. So I wonder if all this was a distraction. Now that it's finally gone, I agree. He looked refreshed. He looked ready to go. And that's yeah. dangerous for a, a lot of teams in the East. Yeah, and the, Chad, the, we were discussing, Dan, the, the discussion of, well, it's a lot to go in with if you only think he's going to play one year. And I think it's pretty clear <laughs> based on uh, how he's reacted to it all. He's this there. This guy's aiming for Tom Brady's life yeah, now and his playing career at this he's point. He might play the title five more years. For the Big Apple. You know what's interesting? What a difference, right? Tom Brady, uh, juicing, every, you know, doesn't eat meat, all that stuff that Brady does. And I don't know what Rodgers eats. I assume he eats very healthy. But you think about it, he's taking psychedelics. He's got all this crap. He's got to have the munchies. He's drinking, yeah, he's got scotch going or whatever. He talks about it like, and, and here's Brady. He's never eaten anything that didn't come out of the ground or something. I don't. It, a lot of ways to get it done, fellas. A lot of ways to get it well, done. Well, Aaron Rodgers just pukes it all up. I mean, he had a purging ceremony in Costa Rica at this ayahuasca camp. Yeah, they have a. It's a ceremony. They all get together and they drink something that makes them vomit everything up, and they sit there and throw up together. So that's maybe part of the reason he looks so refreshed. That's Broadway on a Thursday night is what it looked like. <laughs> well, I got to tell you. Uh, I did that in college with one of my friends, Danny Hanlon, behind the Mary Bowl, and it wasn't based on any kind of special thing. It was based on too much Boone's Farm back when we were about 21 years old. And we ended up having a contest who could do it more. I'm happy to say I won because I went the extra mile with a finger down my throat. But so I get what Aaron Rodgers is doing. I got to tell you, though, I still remember the feeling after that. You feel like your teeth are on fire. And I don't, man, good for Rodgers. He's a tough dude if he can do that more than a half a time in your lifetime. Dan Dockett's the champion of the Tour de Franzia. Yes. Uh, joins us each and, and every Monday. vomitorium yeah. or yes. whatever they call this the ritual. Yeah. Dan, always great to have you on, man. Yeah. Appreciate you.
Thanks, guys. Thanks for everything. Enjoy the day. Yeah, same to you. Dan Donkins. Don't at me. Check him out tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Outkick Network. Coming up, Anthony Gargano will join us from Philly. A lot to discuss with how the Eagles just continue to get it right. That's next on Hot Mike. One of the big team storylines over the NFL Draft weekend, the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome back to Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Hutton Withrow with you. Anthony Gargano, great radio host there for the Fanatic. Anthony Gargano Show plus Fox Sports Radio is where you can also hear him as well. Anthony, great to have you on, man. We appreciate the time. What's going on, fellas? Philadelphia's the center of the sports universe right now. It's uh, it's not that bad. And, you know, it, there's just something about, you know, when the Chiefs draft a player, like, oh, of course. You know, it just fell straight to Kansas City. I feel the same way now about the Eagles with what Roseman's doing. Jalen Carter's even saying before the first round, hey, if Philadelphia's on the clock and I'm still available, they're drafting me. And they did. They, yeah. they make it look very yeah. easy. It's interesting because they now are, they have cachet, right? Every team in the NFL, what you're looking for is you're looking for cachet. And Howie Roseman has a formula where he's achieved it. And it's really interesting. And you, you can see it. Uh, Micah Parsons, you guys saw the video of him talking about it. He was bemoaning the fact that the, that the Eagles got, you know, Jalen Carter and then Nolan Smith and the rich get richer and they had A.J. Brown on, and A.J. Brown's going, come on, Micah, I know you want to be a part of the Eagles. <laughs> and I think they've got that cachet. And, and Howie, you know, it's interesting. Over the last three years, guys, he said, look, I'm just going to go and not be too cute and not try to reinvent the wheel, and I'm going to go to programs that are winning programs. And look, I mean, this Georgia thing is pretty amazing. And not just the Georgia thing, the Alabama thing on offense. And I look at it, I yeah. see all the jokes around it, and I, you just start to look on paper, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, and then go down the list of other guys in defense. And then, of course, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith. They draft Tyler Steen from Alabama this year. And I think, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you go get multiple guys from maybe the greatest right? defense in the history of college football to join the same team? How are the Eagles the only one thinking of this to go get Alabama and Georgia guys almost exclusively? Of course it'll work. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Jordan Davis was last year's number one pick. So now they have bookend tackles off that Georgia defense. And, you know, it's so funny. We had I had talked about this a while back. If you guys remember when Chip Kelly was the coach, they did it in a different way. They went all Pac-12 players, right? So they were heavy the Pac-12, and it was like, wait a second, guys. You're going to give me Pac-12? You're not going to give me SEC? If you want to have a conference all-star team, then do it with the SEC. No doubt, man. And uh, uh, speaking of Georgia Titans, DeAndre Swift ends up in yes. Philadelphia, too, through the, the trade. Kobe Dean. No, yes. Yeah. Uh, so with, with Swift in particular, is he at the end of next season, do we, think, do we look back at the draft weekend and he's number one on the board for why they are where they are? Is he a difference maker for them offensively? Yeah, so, so here's the deal with Swift, and, and I love it. He's a Philly kid. He went to a, a local powerhouse high school, St. Joe's Prep. He's from the area. He knows the whole thing. And, look, you're getting him into his into his last year of his deal. They have a pretty good running back room. Now, they got Rashad Penny. They took a flyer on him. Now, he's got to stay healthy. They have Gainwell and Boston Scott, who are big mainstays. 
The issue here is that the Eagles' offensive line is so good, and Jalen Hurts plus one in the run game makes them really difficult to stop. So, you know, you come in, and here's Swift. You can use him in the passing game. You can run the ball with him. And they believe in a more of a committee situation so that they don't have to exhaust one guy and then one guy gets hurt. So the fact that they have a committee, I, I think, really helps them. And remember, you got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, who's a good pass-catching tight end. So you're really strong in the pass game. And so your run game is open. You're going to go light in the box and go seven guys. They're going to run on you all day long. Jalen Hurts was the highest paid player in the NFL for a very short amount of time until Lamar Jackson signed his contract. After you see the Lamar Jackson deal, do you feel better about what the Eagles did to lock up Jalen Hurts, knowing that that was the bar that Jackson and now others will probably go over, and it's not necessarily Jalen Hurts at the top of that list? Yeah, and you, and you knew that the minute he signed that deal, that he he was going to his reign would be very very short. It's almost like Bud Fox as reign of the CEO in uh, in the movie Wall Street. He had the short, you get the shortest reign as as CEO Fox, and you knew that was going to happen when it come to Jalen. Now here's the thing: that contract, the way it's structured, you have two years, the next two years, where you're not going to have to pay him that much. And then when the thing goes up in the third year, you're, the cap's going to go up. So I, I thought the way that thing was structured, and he's 24 years old, was brilliant by Howie Roseman in navigating the cap. I've known Howie since he came in. He graduated law school. He was an intern. He came back in the entry-level position. He has figured this thing out. He studied under Andy Reid, under Joe Banner. He's been with the organization 20 years. It, he's a great story in that he got bounced. He and Chip Kelly did not get along. Chip banished him to the other side of the building. He could have left. He decides to stay because he was very close to Jeffrey Lurie. He comes back. He wins the team's first Super Bowl ever. And then he gets back to another year last year. And then he's got him set to be, you know, pretty much dynastic. Anthony Gargano has been our guest, uh, Philly radio host, Fox Sports Radio, as well, as well as where you can find him for the Anthony Gargano Show. Thank you so much for the for the quick hit here. And, oh, by the way, I'll just throw in, as we're up against it, I mean, they're also in the NFC. Look at what Jalen Hurts and the investments that have been made. Wide open. With all of the quarterbacks in the AFC. Wide open track. And they're in the toughest division, I get it, but wide open. Appreciate the time, Yeah, they're going to own it. Yeah. All right, boys. Yeah, Be good. Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. Anthony Gargano. Uh, check him out there on uh, social, uh, Twitter on the screen. Um, Chad. They crushed it. The Eagles crushed it. And it's patience. They, they moved around a lot. They didn't give up a ton of draft capital from next year's draft to do it. And they're going to get compensatory selections next year for the talent that they just lost this past offseason based on production. When they drafted... They're stacked. Keely Ringo in the fourth round, I was watching <laughs> on Saturday, and I'm, I'm thinking, How? How, first off, how is this guy still there? I saw him I in the end of the first round or second round projections at one point, and he's there in the fourth round for the Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> who's building a Georgia defensive all-star team already, and you've got this six-foot-two corner who was great at Georgia, who does have some questions about him. That's why he fell to the fourth round, but still mm -hmm. amazing that he was there for the Eagles to select. 
perfect for them. And why wouldn't you want to go with those George defensive guys and pair them up again together in Philly? Great work by Howie Roseman. No doubt. We'll talk more about it later, too. Coming up, Mel Kuyper has been mocked to Canton. We'll, <laughs> we'll discuss that. Plus, LeBron silenced Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies. 40 points. That was the victory margin for L.A. in a deciding game as they move on. Details next on Hot Mike.